Welcome, B2B startups, changeups, scale-ups, and grown-ups. This is the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman. Let's do this. Adam Earhart, welcome to the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here and chat yeah. all things marketing. So, dude, you were a pilot, right? You I was. Yes. I was for years. Yeah, I did it uh, right. Actually, I started flying in high school and then flew and uh, yeah, I ended up going to college for it and built a whole career in aviation before transitioning. But you weren't in, in the service? Wasn't in the service. It was all private. So all, um, yeah, essentially through, I guess you'd call it commercial aviation and then into private aviation. So I flew business jets for uh, the world's rich and famous. And did you fly internationally, nationally? Yeah, all internationally. So I was living over in uh, London and the UK and a lot of Paris and a lot of North Africa and Cairo and Egypt and the Middle East. And yeah, I basically spent about seven years over there. Sounds glamorous. It was. It was glamorous. It was like, yeah, it was amazing. It was really cool. I mean, it was equal parts glamour and equal parts hard work and stress and uh, and a lot of time away from home. So there was so much good and so much bad. And in the end, uh, yeah, in the end, it just wasn't for me. Okay. And what, what kind of uh, aircraft did you fly? Yeah, I flew, well, it was called a Challenger 604. We had a Challenger 300. Uh, there was a CJ3, which is a little guy. Uh, but essentially anything that would allow us to kind of get around and yeah, we could fly from the UK across the Atlantic into New York and back and, uh, but most of the flying was around the Mediterranean, especially during the summertime. So yeah, it was, it was a good, a good life. Okay. So that enough then, I just wanted to cover that for a second. Yeah. Um, I see you're in your studio. Is that a studio? Yeah, so it's a video studio that's got a lot of music stuff in it. So the intention of it is for all video. So I've got a couple different video setups here. But yeah, there's music and guitars and amplifiers and pedals and all sorts of jazz. More more is the hobby and is decoration now. Can you give us a little peek? I mean, can you tilt the camera and give us a little I, I wish I could. It's mounted so firmly. You can see the guitar and the amp is the main stack. And then on the rest of the wall, we've got there. And then even more guitars are lined up behind the wall. So we've got, yeah, we're surrounded. So anyways, you made the shift from aviation to Mm. digital marketing, and now you're a digital marketing consultant. Correct. And you say on your website that digital marketing is the single most important element to business success. Yes, I believe that. Why? Why? So not just digital marketing, but marketing in general, the single most important element to business success. And the reason is, is because it's marketing's job to generate leads, to bring in new clients, to turn those into essentially revenue for your business. So without marketing, you don't have a business. You just have a really expensive hobby that never gets any clients or customers. And we've all seen that it's not the best business that wins. It's the business with the best marketing. And this isn't fair and it's not right. And it really should be the business that has the best service and the best products. But that's not the reality that we live in. We have to communicate the value that we provide to clients and to customers for them to understand what we do. And this is why everything really is marketing from the way that we position ourselves to the content we produce, the way that our website looks, the way that we dress. I mean, literally everything has to do and is communicating some kind of value. So it only makes sense to take control of that. And, and you think that's true for everybody, B2C, B2B, uh, government, everybody is all about the marketing. sales, but marketing. Yeah. So government would be like the one random exception. And even then, and and more so because they typically have a more bureaucratic process that they've got to go through and the way they they do things is different. However, talking B2B or B2C, 100%. 
Yeah, it's all marketing. We like to think that we make these really logical, rational decisions, especially in the B2B space. Everything's number-based and look, we're going to make really good decisions. But the reality is, is that's just simply not the case. People make impulse, psychologically driven decisions to protect their egos, their identities, their values, the beliefs that they have. We justify them later with logic and with rational thinking and all that. And that's the reason we need a kind of a mix in our marketing. But yeah, every to every second we're judging, we're perceiving, we're interpreting information and that's marketing. I have to apologize because you'll hear my son practicing piano in the background, but hey, that's the lockdown. That's where we're living. So, so how did you get started as a digital marketing consultant? Yeah, well, it's the it's a random a random start. Essentially, I stopped flying, wanted to start a business, did not know what to do. My wife, who had a business degree and was successful in business, said you should look at marketing, and I said I have no idea what marketing even is. Full disclosure, no idea. So I started to look into what marketing even was. And I went down the rabbit hole of, well, is it advertising? Is it web design? Is it SEO? What is it? And the more that I started to peel back the layers, the more that I found is that marketing was driven in deep human psychology, why people act the way they do, why they buy what they buy, how they interact and engage and judge and perceive. And I got hooked fast, like real fast. I started buying every marketing book I could get my hands on. I studied all day, every day. I started taking as many clients as I could for free or for like a hundred bucks, anything I could do. And I really got bit by the bug. And it's, it's weird, but it was the first time in my life that I'd been just so crazily consumed by one thing. And really fast forward a decade later, and I'm still just as geeked out on marketing. I still find it unbelievably interesting why we do what we do, why we justify and rationalize it, how people buy, why they don't buy, why they say they buy when we know that's not the case. So yeah, I'm still just as hooked on marketing, but it really was by fluke proving anybody can do marketing if you dedicate the time and the energy and the money to studying. You know, your optimism is contagious. And I can tell you're obviously Canadian because you seem like a nice person. Right. <laughs> out of the hallmark of Canadians. It is. Um, tell me, best, best, uh, best marketing books, best ones you read. Man, so, so first of all, spot on on the Canadian thing. Yeah, I'm on the, the west coast of Canada here. And yes, we're an overly polite, overly polite group of people. But as far as best marketing books, there are so many. But great places to start are really basic business books are good, like 80-20 principle, um, the one thing, essentialism, um, the effective executive, effective executive, uh, all of those type of books are good in regards to marketing. Rory Sutherland has a gem that not a lot of people know about called Alchemy, which is on behavioral economics, really fascinating stuff. Uh, 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall, obviously a go-to, very, very important. That's really influenced the way that I do marketing and really trimming the fat, making sure we're only doing the most effective things. Of course, everything by Seth Godin, everything and anything that he's ever written is all important for that real high level marketing overview of what is the value of marketing? What are we trying to do? How are we trying to provide service? What is the value of not only what we're saying, but what we're selling? Oh, positioning is another good one. Um, influence. I think those are probably enough to get people started, but yeah, I've got, I've got bookshelves full. So beyond the books, what does it take to be a digital marketing consultant? Yeah. What does it take? It takes, uh, oh, 
That's a deep question. It takes so much beyond the books. I think the books are incredibly important. I still study at least one hour a day today. It's been 10 years, minimum one hour a day of active study with a book, with a pen, with a paper, writing notes, learning, applying, always trying to stay on the cutting edge. And that's something not a lot of people are willing to do. So I think that's a key step from a mindset perspective. I got into this willing to play the long game. So I kind of came into it really ignorant and, and thinking it's going to take me forever to figure this out. The reality is, is you can get a pretty good handle on it in a few months, maybe a year. I mean, you've pretty much got the basics, but to really develop that mastery level, you're going to need a lot of experience, which means looking at a lot of different marketing scenarios and campaigns and different businesses and finding the nuances between this industry and that industry and this market and that market. But other than that, a mindset of always putting the customer or the client's business ahead of yours, incredibly important. So anytime I work with a client, I've always have a saying that your business is now my business. There's nothing that I would do or suggest that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. So it's this real fiduciary responsibility of sort of embedding yourself into them and making sure that you're making the best decisions for their growth. And that really has just paid off in spades beyond what I could have ever expected by really taking ownership of the client's business. That's huge. Just being being accountable, being nice, being smart. For, um, let's say, small and mid-sized businesses who maybe are just sort of getting wind of the fact, maybe because of COVID, that, hmm. wow, brick and mortar shut down. I got to figure out a way to generate deal flow online. I need help. And they want to work with a digital marketing consultant. How much do digital marketing consultants charge? They range, right? So it's like, it's, it's kind of the old analogy of you get what you pay for. So I might be, for many that are just getting started, I would be prohibitively expensive, but that's because you probably don't need my level of experience or expertise. Whereas my recommendation, especially if you're just getting started and you don't have the budget or you're not really sure, is to try to take this on yourself. Like there's a lot of stuff you can do. You can get yourself 80% of the way there. And until you're dealing in like six figure months and whatnot, I mean, this, the onus is kind of on you to start to learn the basics of targeting and of basic copywriting and how to structure a headline or how to learn the basics of social media. See, one of the problems I've seen, and I own a digital marketing agency, so I see this, is that it's acted on as a crutch where a business owner comes to the digital market and they'll look, look, I've got two grand a month or five grand a month or 500 a month or whatever it is, fix all my problems, make everything go away, make it rain leads. And then you're putting all of your faith and all of your trust into this digital marketer who may or may not be any good. And then if it works or not, they're going to have a reason or an excuse. And you're not going to be able to see through it unless you have an understanding of the basics of marketing and of what they're doing. I've seen this so many times where our clients come to me after being really frustrated with an agency they've hired. They've spent thousands on them. I look at the campaign and it's either targeted wrong or it's using language that their ideal market never uses. It doesn't rel it's just not relevant, doesn't resonate with them. So you have to have the basics down yourself before you go and hire somebody else. That's I really believe that. How does someone go about finding a digital marketing consultant? Yeah, your network is going to be good. Uh, tap your network, ask other people, get referrals, see what you can do to find those type of people and see who else has used them with success. Because you can go to Google and you can type digital marketing consultant or digital marketing agency and you'll find a ton. Uh, the next thing from there is to look for content. Start looking at people's uh, YouTube channels, look at their Instagram accounts, look at their Facebook accounts and see if A, they're publishing any content at all and B, if you resonate or relate to that type of content, because there are different approaches 
with marketing and some of which you might like, some of which you might not like, some people you're going to naturally gravitate towards, some people you're just not going to be able to stand. So it's important to try to consume some of their stuff and figure out, all right, is this worth me taking a chance and investing in that person? But beyond the personality, if you were to line up, say, three candidates that checked all those boxes, Mm -hmm. at that point, how do you choose the right digital marketing consultant for you? Yeah. So specificity is important. Like if you can find one, like say you're in a very specific niche and you've got a digital marketing consultant for that niche, I'd probably go there first rather than a generalist who does all things for all people. The second thing is, is you could, and you should look for testimonials. You should look for case studies. You should look for any white reports. You should look for uh, basically anything that's showing that they know what they're doing and they've done this before. Results really are what matters in digital marketing. So nice guys, mean guys, whatever, it doesn't really matter. What's important is getting the results. That's really ultimately what's at that at the end of the day. And barring that, or say everyone's still, they've got a good referral, they're in your niche, they have good case studies, then I would take a look and see their content and see which stuff you resonated with. So watch their videos, listen to their podcasts, read their blog, and find out which one you feel would be the best fit for you. And then you've just got to go from there. You know, you've got this emerging area now that they talk about called growth marketing. The idea where, you know, the objective really is growth, not profitability, Hmm. but market share and growth. And you think about some of these companies that double, triple, quadruple in size in a year. Yeah, yeah. What extent... If if I'm looking to that to do that, like I've got, I've got I, I'm not a startup anymore, you know I've pivoted. I, I'm not a change up anymore. I'm I'm in scale up mode. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to get big and I want to grow. Yeah, what's more important at that stage? Someone who knows how to grow or someone who knows my industry? Both, both. Like it depends on the specificity of the industry and if there's any weird catches or nuances in it that someone outside the industry just wouldn't know. Like maybe there's a weird way things are done or a weird way people buy it. But aside from that, you probably want to look for somebody that specializes in growth. And the reason is, is because growth marketing, first of all, growth sucks profitability. So revenue and profitability do not scale linearly you're going to spend, you're going to lose profit as you grow because you're going to need to reinvest in team, in media, in content, in advertising. So that's an important factor as well. You have to sort of prioritize one over the other. The second thing is, is when you're looking at growth marketing, doubling a company in, yeah, a year or six months or two years, which is something that I do all the time with clients is we double their revenues or their profits even in that year. And it's because we're very aggressive with our content and media strategy. That's really behind it. So we'll do a combination of organic content and paid advertising, and we'll ensure that it's going to a working funnel. So that is the caveat. That's the one that if I look at a business and they say they want to double, or I think I can double them in six months or 12 months, they need to have a validated offer and a working funnel. So they need to have a way that they can take a lead and they can convert them into a client with a high enough lifetime customer value. So I know what I can pay on the front end to acquire them through paid advertising methods. That's really the formula. And then we'll just go in and we'll pump dollars into the machine. We'll pump up more content and we'll saturate the market with videos, with podcasts, with paid ads, with webinars, with VSLs, with whatever we need to do. So what if a client comes to you and they really are chomping at the bit to get going on content? They want to generate a ton of great podcasts and blog posts and YouTube videos, but you go to their site and you see, you know, the funnel's a little clunky and it's not going to convert well and performance issues. And you say to them, you know, you really got to take, take care of this first. They say, you know what? 
we're fine with it. We think it looks great. Mm. We, what we really want to do is get the content out there. How do cool. you do with that client? Yeah, one of two things. If what they're, first of all, I have to look at their numbers. So if they say it looks great and it's ugly as all sin, but it's performing, I'll, I'll eat it. That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. If I can send leads to their funnel or to their website and it's converting, I don't care what it looks like. On the other hand, whether they think it's beautiful or they think it's ugly, if we're sending leads to the funnel and it's not converting, we just have to have a hard heart to heart conversation and say, here's the deal. We don't need to throw gas on wet logs. Like we need the fire running first so that we can amplify it with the ads, with the content, with all of that. Otherwise you're just flushing your money down the toilet. And so I, I won't be the one to help them in that case. Well, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you know, you can speculate that a funnel may not work, but you don't really know until you give it traffic. And so let's say they've got the funnel, but they got no traffic. And so their thought is, well, we think the funnel is going to work great. Let's just get the traffic at this point. But you look at it and you know, based on your experience, that there are things from a performance standpoint that need to be changed up. You know, are you going to go in that direction? And then are you going to do that for them? Or how are you going to get that done? Yeah. So, so it's a good thing. If we're talking about a brand new offer that's never been validated, then they're going to need to go out and prove it. Whether that's organic, whether it's through word of mouth, whether it's through a small paid advertising campaign, that's a different story than if they have one that they believe is working, but the numbers are telling a different story. So yes, we always need some kind of traffic, but traffic is easy. Like traffic is everywhere. You can buy it for pennies. You can buy it for dollars. You can get it from friends and family. Like traffic is literally everywhere. There's 7 billion people on the planet and we can put ads or content in front of all of them if we wanted to. So that's never the issue. The issue is, do we have a high converting offer that's actually going to work? Now, you're absolutely right. I can look at a funnel and, and with relative certainty figure out, all right, this headline or this offer just isn't going to resonate with this type of client or now we have an upsell or a downsell or a cross-sell or some kind of follow-up sequence that's irrelevant or doesn't make sense. So we can make some small tweaks ahead. Ultimately though, I don't have the ego to say that I know better than the market. So I have to get it out to the market and let them decide. And then I look at the data and I make decisions accordingly from there. You know, there's such a vibrant community offshore of digital marketers mm. in, in Eastern Europe. Uh, what are, what, is it a good idea for small businesses to consider perhaps offshoring to some of these resources to maybe save a few bucks? I mean, does that work? It depends on the person. Uh, depends who you're offshoring to, outsourcing to. There's a lot of amazingly capable people that you can go higher for pennies on the dollar than what we would pay in the United States or in Canada. They're really, really good at what they do. The trick is, is that you need to make sure that you're hiring and you're very specific on the task that you're looking for. So if any time that you're hiring a strategist, you're going to be paying top dollar because it's the strategist that's going to figure out your marketing strategy, your target market, your messaging, your offer, your hooks, your angles, all of that. But finding the tactical executors, the mechanics to go put the pieces together, there's no reason that can't be done offshore or outsourced or wherever. And yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. You just have to be clear about what you want and then make sure that you're taking accountability for the overall direction of the campaign. And how do you get that strategist? How do you find that person? Yeah. So my, if you're a brand new business without the budget, you become that person yourself. You have to do the research. You've got to buy the books, got to take the courses. You've got to hire the coaches. You've got to do what you can to learn that stuff. If you're a larger company with the budget, 
you tap your network, you do your due diligence, and you find that person so that you can hire them, and then you can spend money instead of time. It's always that question, do I have more time or do I have more money? And in the beginning, if you're a smaller business, you're going to have, obviously, you don't have the money for it, so you're going to have to spend the time learning the strategies. For, for that person who doesn't have the budget and they're ready to, they're going to do it themselves, they're going to read hmm. the books, can you give me any sense of like the order in which they should develop different skills and sort of what, what are the foundation skills that they need? And then once they have those, how do they build upon? Yeah. So that's a good question. It's something I've thought a lot about because the problem with marketing is it's huge. Like it's just a beast. I mean, we've got content marketing and video marketing and paid ads. We've got SEO and then we have video SEO and we have um, PPC. We have PPC with Facebook ads and Instagram ads and Google ads. So it's like, there's a million different things that you could do and it becomes overwhelming very quickly. I think in the early days, I focused really high level without getting too tactical. So I would focus on like, what is marketing? Honestly, what is it? Well, it's a communication of value. Well, what does that mean? And where, how do you establish a target market? And what does market research look like? And what are all these sort of high level pieces you need? And then from there, I just got granular in the areas that sort of pulled my interest. So I heard good things about Google ads. So I started learning Google ads and then I'm Facebook ads came on the scene. So I started playing around with Facebook ads, but you've got to kind of look at what other competitors in your industry are doing for a signal into where you want to go, because there's simply too much. And the reality is, is that SEO is a terrible strategy for a lot of businesses, just like Facebook ads are a terrible strategy for a lot of businesses, but for others, they're amazing. And they're the greatest thing ever. So you've got to look at like, what kind of buyer behavior does my client or my customer have? Are they, do they have search intent? Are they on Facebook? Are they looking on YouTube? Again, this all comes down to really understanding your business, your market, your offer and the value you provide. I appreciate if you're just getting going, it seems very overwhelming, but you've got to sort of eat an elephant one bite at a time. Well, that's really interesting because uh, that is a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which is your success on YouTube. You've got over 40,000 subscribers and you're very bullish on YouTube as a channel for B2B deal flow generation, Yeah, which is counterintuitive, yeah. I think, to a lot of people in our industry because you think, well... YouTube, my son watches YouTube, my daughter watches YouTube, you know, obviously they'll become buyers at some point, mm. but it's still pretty much a, a, a younger audience consuming that content. Yet here you are really killing it in YouTube. Mm. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So it's funny because I'm, I'm platform agnostic. So I do not care which marketing platform I'm going to use. I'm going to go where the market tells me to go. I'm going to go where I'm getting the best results and where we're seeing the best results. So did Google ads, did SEO when it made sense, that's slowly went away a bit, went real hard on Facebook ads for years, built most of my career and reputation around Facebook ads. Phenomenal tool. Started to see a bit of a decline there as the market became more saturated and started looking at other channels, started looking at YouTube, realized that most of the people in our space, in the B2B space, weren't taking it as seriously. And I thought, there's an opportunity here. So I started to slowly carve out, yeah, test little things, test different videos, test different combinations. And then sort of around about a year ago, really cracked the code, I believe, in the structure and the way to design a YouTube video so that it actually generates clients. And at first it was a trickle of leads and clients that would come in and then it started to pick up steam and now it's generating dozens of leads per day and uh, at least one good solid or application for a client to work with. 
which in our industry typically costs around 150, 200 bucks. So it's like having this extra six grand pumped in there that I don't have to spend on ads. And it's really accelerated the business. And what blows my mind is that when someone fills out an application form to work with me and I say, where did you hear about me? If it's not a referral, it's always YouTube now. And just in a nutshell, what can you tell us about what you've learned about how, how to do a B2B video that is effective at generating a, a, a qualified lead on YouTube? Yeah. So the single most important thing is to understand and appreciate that you, you have to just even get started, just be present on the channel. It really is a blue ocean when compared to Facebook and compared to Instagram and compared to LinkedIn. I mean, like literally, if you think B2B lead gen and you look at LinkedIn, I mean, it's just a, it's a bloodbath. Everybody there because everyone knows, well, this is the B2B network. And what they fail to realize is that the CEO at the end of the day, who needs to go and fix something on his house or whoever else, or goes to YouTube, check something out real quick. And there's an opportunity for you to get your content in front of them. Maybe it's a, a neat marketing hook, or here's how to generate more B2B leads for your business. He'll watch the video. Then YouTube will suggest more of your stuff to him. So the key really with YouTube marketing is probably unsurprisingly much the same as other content marketing. It's really putting the client and the customer first in the value prop. So making sure that you're creating content that your ideal clients would want to watch. And that's the reason that my channel has very proud of the 40,000, but it's not 400,000 and it's not 4 million and it probably won't be. And the reason is, is because I'm very specific about the content that I create for the market that I'm trying to serve. I have no intention of creating a viral video or becoming a quote unquote YouTuber who just goes out there and becomes YouTube famous. That's not my goal. My goal is lead gen for the business. So all of the content is very specific and very strategic and structured in such a way so that it provides value to the target market. It builds that no like, and trust factor, and it leads them to ultimately want to reach out when they're ready to look at starting a relationship. Oh, I lost you there. Audio wise. How long did it take you to get 40,000 subscribers? Yeah. So I started on YouTube seriously around three years ago. So it was very much like this for the first little bit. It was like, I don't even know how long it took to get 10 and then 20 and then 40. And I remember the first time I got a hundred and I thought it was amazing. And then a thousand, and then it really started to take off from there. And it has less to do with the time and more to do with the fact that I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a strategy to follow. I didn't have a structure. I was posting random videos that I thought might work or thought wouldn't. So I would say that the vast majority of the growth really came in the last 12 months. That's where things have sort of accelerated. And I'll probably be, provided we sort of follow the trend, Within around 10 months, it'll be at about 100,000 because that's sort of the way that the hockey stick works is that, all right, we've got the traction. We have the audience. YouTube now knows how to categorize me, which is really important. So the way that I structure the videos, the topics I talk about, YouTube knows where to put me and it knows who to show my stuff to. Um, how long is a, is a video? How long does it take you to do a video? What, what are the resources required to produce a video? Yeah. So if you're just getting started, you can do it on your phone. You have a 4K camera on your phone. Get a tripod so it looks a little nicer. Get a microphone so you sound a little better, but you have all of the technology you need. You can buy a better camera, of course, if you want and maybe set up some lights so you're a little lighter, but that's it for there. Uh, now, because I've got the process dialed in, because I have the templates and the scripts and the outlines and all that, 
I spend probably one hour per video total. So what will happen is I'll write out some points that I want to talk about. That'll take 20, 30 minutes. I'll talk about them 20, 30 minutes. Then it goes to the editor and they clean it all up, get it posted to YouTube and it's out of my hands. So it's a very efficient process. It was not always this way. The early days were ugly and it was hours and hours and toil and frustration and uh, sweating on camera and feeling terrible. But like all things, a little bit of practice, figuring out the systems, developing SOPs, and, and now it's sort of a well-run machine. And how long is a basic video? Yeah, 10, 12, 14 minutes, just fine. Yeah, long ones are 30, short ones are three, anywhere in between. The key is, is that as long as you're providing value and keeping people engaged, 10 minutes is a pretty safe spot to shoot for. And do you do live? Do you do Facebook live as well? I've just started dabbling back into Facebook Live uh, a little bit more and some YouTube Lives as well. So I'm just starting again now that I've really seen, all right, clearly video marketing works. How do I do more of it? And so now I'm starting to, yeah, do more lives. Well, I'm just getting started on YouTube. I just broke 100 subscribers. There you go. That's the first milestone. Yeah. Like 106. Good for you. Hopefully you'll like this on, on my YouTube and maybe, you know, one of your followers will, will subscribe. That's it. Exactly. Good for you. Well, honestly, honestly, those first hundred, that's a huge milestone. The thousand also big milestones because the reality is, is that YouTube is, is definitely a marathon and not a sprint. So anybody that goes into it thinking it's going to be an overnight success, and I've seen a lot of cases of my friends who are big names on other platforms come yeah. over to YouTube and expect that immediate win and they don't get it and then they leave. Which is, which is frustrating for me as their friend, as a colleague, it's sort of, okay, I understand. I appreciate this is the reality, but yeah, you've, you've got to be in it. But, you know, I find that the longer form stuff, I don't think it works as well. Like most of like I do a lot of these interviews, which are released as audio podcasts mostly. And uh, I love to listen to audio podcasts. Mm. I get so much value and I, I like deep conversations that go beyond the soundbite. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I'm able to create that type of content. I've been podcasting for 15 years now. Mm. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to YouTube, my impression is shorter is the way to go. Is, is, that, is that the case? Depends again. So the, the answer for most people, I would say, is yes, but only because it's hard to make an hour-long, really entertaining, engaging video. It's really hard. So one of my longest videos is like 30 minutes and it was a struggle. Like it was, it was a lot of work. That said, it did really well on the channel. So, and then there, you've got YouTube creators like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. His stuff is a good hour, hour and a half, two hours. It's him in a keynote. He's crushing it. So it depends on your market, depends what they want. Uh, you do have to test different lengths of content. For me, I really have found a sweet spot around that 15, 16 minute mark, 10 minute, 20 minute. Uh, but Looking at my analytics, anytime I release a video that's longer than 20 minutes, it's going to help the channel grow. So longer is better uh, if you can and if your market likes it, but it's also really hard. So there's a lot to be said about making it easier on yourself and just making some 10-minute videos. You know, it is such a niche, YouTube, with its own sensibility. How do you find a good editor and a person to make your thumbnail? How do, how do you mm. get that? Do you, do you have that person on staff? Do you outsource? What's the best way for a small business that mm -hmm. wants to get into YouTube and maybe they do know the basics, but they don't want to edit it themselves and they yeah. don't want to do their own thumbnail. How do they make it happen? 
Yeah, right on. So I've got a program that shows people this process. Essentially, they walk through it and we show how to hire an editor, how to build the thumbnails. The reality is, is that you shouldn't be doing your editing yourself. For me to edit one of my own videos, it takes me about four, five hours. It's crazy. And I'm, and I'm picky and I'm, I'm sweating and it's awful. And I just hate every second of it. And so I've got an editor who's amazing and he'll do it all for me. You can find editors to match every budget. We talked already about outsourcing or whatnot. Um, if you want someone from the United Kingdom or from Canada or from the United States, you're going to pay a little bit more, but they're going to have a few things working for them, including possibly more experience. So really it, it does vary, but again, a lot of outsourcing websites. Uh, I've never used Fiverr or anything like that to find one, but I'm sure you could or something like it to at least put the word out. Again, tap your network, look at local wedding videographers in your area and say, hey, do you guys do this in the off season or do you know anyone that does? Because they're tapped into people. As far as thumbnails, very similar process. You need to find a designer or you can do something yourself even on Canva. Do you want to tell us about your program? Sure. Yeah. So essentially my program is much like what we're talking about. Helps people, business owners specifically, get started on YouTube so that they can build and grow their channel and use it to generate leads and sales. So a lot of the YouTube training and a lot of the YouTube content out there is really good, but it's focused on subscribers and views rather than for business owners and entrepreneurs to actually use YouTube to leverage, to make sales and to grow their business. And so uh, you provide a program that people can... Yeah, yeah. So we have a program um, calling it the Brand Builder. And right now we've, yeah, we run people through our process. They go through the trainings. We have our coaching calls. We do channel reviews and audits and essentially structure a YouTube growth strategy to generate leads and generate clients from YouTube. So our goal is never subscribers and views. That's a nice byproduct. Our goal is always clients and revenue and business growth. And if someone's listening to this and they want to find out more about it, where would they go? Yeah, best place to find out and to contact me and everything is really to go to adamerhart.com. Right now, that program is not being listed because it's just being offered by uh, application only, but it will be on the website probably, actually possibly even by the time that this podcast goes live. So unless you're watching live, of course. What are you talking That's right. We're live now. What am I saying? So in that case, it should take a while to get the podcast out. Yeah, exactly. So it'll, it should be on there within about a couple of weeks. So we're looking around mid-August, late August. We'll have the more official launch of it. Right now, we've been running just private clients through it. Cool. Now you also have a daily email uh, that you use to market yourself called the marketing newsletter. Hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah. So email marketing has been a pillar of my marketing strategy for the better part of a decade. It's, it's still such a viable marketing channel to reach people. And, uh, and it's, I don't know, email fell out of favor for a lot of people. They switched to messenger marketing and SMS marketing got big for a while, although we're seeing it kind of still trying to find itself for where it's going to fit. The reality is, is that email still works. I mean, it doesn't work as well as it used to, but it still works well enough that it needs to be a part of your overall marketing strategy simply because you own that asset. Talk to us a little bit about healthy open rates and healthy click-through rates. Yeah. What what should folks in B2B be looking at? What, 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 what number would you like to see? Yeah. So yeah, what I'd like to see and what we actually see are two very different numbers. Uh, it depends largely on the health of your list and how much you call it. So I'm relatively ruthless with my list. If nobody's clicked or opened or anything like that, I think we have it set at 90 days. We just, we cut it and we move on. Uh, open rates, nice to see would be around 30%. 
Typically, we see around 20% for most businesses. Uh, if it starts dipping below that, we need to do a bit of list hygiene. So we need to start deleting people. Click-through rate uh, varies so wildly depending on the way that you're able to structure your email and your offer inside. So are you offering something for free? Are you sending them a link to a video? Are you making a sales pitch? And there we'll see 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%. It yeah, really depends. Well, uh, I sure appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Is there anything else I didn't ask that you'd like to share? I think we hit the high points. I think if I had to leave with any parting notes, it would really be to really take the time and the energy to invest in yourself and in your marketing. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean working with me. This isn't a pitch. It's not a sales call. It means taking marketing seriously and spending $15, $30, buying some books on Amazon, starting to go down that road of learning and applying the strategies in your business. And I promise you, when you start to understand some basics of marketing, when you start to apply them in your business and you start to get results, it becomes very, very addictive. And it makes it easier to buy that next book and buy that next course. It's, it's a powerful powerful tool that when used by businesses can be used for good to help all of humanity. So that's my, my final plea. Adam Earhart is a digital marketing consultant in Canada. And I appreciate you joining us on the B2B lead gen podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's been an honor to be here. Thanks for listening. This is Eric Schwartzman for the B2B lead gen podcast. See you next time.